We have been in a series called A Prescription for a Better You. Each and every one of us at the beginning of the year, always probably, uh, try to make a New Year's resolution. Hey, I want to be better at this. I want to do better at this. I want to read my Bible. I want, to, I want to lose some weight. I want to be nice to my husband. I want to not stab my child. I mean, all, whatever, you know, that your New Year's resolution. Well, and we all try to work towards those. And this year, I really felt strong from the Lord that I should help us in that and ask God to help us in it. Because, uh, you know, I set these New Year's resolutions halfway through the year. I can't even remember which ones I set. And what we need is God's help. Because, you know, doing it in our own strength isn't really working too good. So let's get God's help on it. And so with that being said, we had a key verse for this series, a prescription for a better you. And that was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. This was for the whole series. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Who's going to sanctify God himself through and through? And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling Thessalonians, he says, listen, I'm praying that God himself will help you with your spirit, soul, and body. That God himself will get involved, if you will, in making you better and making you stronger and making you the person that God intended you to be. And so that's the premise by which we went into this series. We started the first week with God help us with our spirit man. If, if, if what's on the inside isn't stronger than all the pressures on the outside, we will literally be crushed. And that, Lord, help us to follow the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come, dwell within us, fill us, baptize us with your Holy Spirit, teach us to walk in the things of the Holy Spirit. And that was our first part of the series, that was under spirit. And then the second part, under soul, was last week. And we talked about the soul being made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. We need God's help in those areas. And we went through some biblical truths and went through some practical things on how you and I could grow in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so today, we're going to move into the third area, and that is the body. So one more time with me. Stand up quickly. Come on, come on. Help me out. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Come on. You can do it. Don't be scared. Now I want everybody to do me a favor. Stretch your hands up like that. Everybody lean this way, lean this way. Everybody lean this way, lean this way. Now turn the person next to you and tell them God loves your body. <laughs> you may be seated. Come on now. You may be seated. Thank you for the help there. When prepping for this, we were going to use uh, let's get physical right there. Uh, a response, uh, uh, you know, a, a, remember, a remembrance to uh, Olivia Newton-John in the 80s, uh, but we thought that that might uh, cause some conflict for our single people, so we didn't use, let's get it, God loves your body. We have a key verse here today for this passage of scripture, for this teaching found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. For those of you that are regular members of Church on the Hill, you'll know this to be true, and I'll share it with anyone who's new to us. If you'll take the key scripture Every week from the message, we try to always give you a key scripture that's somewhat of a summary or, a, or the main theme of the teaching that day. If you'll take those, and because you come to church every week, you'll have, uh, you'll have uh, that key scripture. If you'll memorize it or if you'll just write it down in your notes or put it in your phone, you'll have 52 scriptures at the end of the year that you recognize, that you know, that have a little uh, connection to the message, if you will. And the, I promise you, 52 scriptures a year, you'll know more scripture than 90% of American Christians. And so the key scripture kind of summarizes or if you will, points towards the theme of today's teaching. So we found 1 Corinthians chapter 6, go ahead and turn on your Bibles, and verse 19. It says it like this, do not, excuse me, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. Now, in this passage, Paul is actually rebuking the Corinthians. They've gotten into sexual sin. They're having sex with prostitutes. They're having sex outside of marriage. You know, they're having homosexual sex. All these different things are happening. And they're supposed to be Christians, but they're falling back into their old ways. And so he's rebuking them and correcting them. And he goes into this truth. Don't you know that your body's not your own? That your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the common concept 2,000 years ago was that the gods dwelt in the temple. So they would build these big temples and that the God's presence were in the temple. The Jewish folks kind of had that concept because God, if you will, kind of, if you will, his presence was in the inner sanctum, the holy holies of their temple. And God from the very beginning has been trying to live in us, has trying to do life in us. And at, at the new covenant, we recognize that the, that the separation between humanity and God was ripped, that, that curtain was ripped. And now we have his presence living and abiding in us as believers. In fact, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us is what Paul is reminding us. And that's why he even goes on to say, how can you take the body, the temple of God, who the Holy Spirit's living in, and go have sex with a prostitute and joining your bodies together like that? How can you do that? He's rebuking them about that. But in the process of teaching that, he makes a precedence that our body is special to God, that God made us. And he now, as Christians, has filled us. He lives 
within us. His Holy Spirit lives and abides in us. Aren't you grateful that this building isn't where God's presence is at, that God's presence is wherever you go? Because otherwise, you'd have to always get to the building to interact with God. But God lives and abides in you, and we are his temple. Your body is his temple, and your body represents what he's made you to look like and be like. In fact, the body was created, and I want to go back to the moment of creation where God created us and created our physical body and our complete man. So if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, let's look at this passage, passage where he form, formulated man. It says, And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eyes and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you'll continue reading, you'll see this kind of conflict thing that happens, but we'll stop right there. And so what it basically teaches is that God made us, made humanity from dirt. Now, I didn't grow up in the north where there's snow and you make snowmans. I grew up in Louisiana where we made mudmans. That's all we had was mud. And so I, as a kid, I'd make little mud, mud things, you know. And, you know, you make your little frosty. Well, we made mud, mud frosty. I mean, and that's basically what God did. He took the dirt and he kind of built it up, built up some mud, and he fashioned, you know, man. And then he breathed in him his breath. <gasps> the breath of life. And we became a living being. And then he extracted from man, Eve. From, man, from, from Within Adam was both the male and female gender, obviously, in that moment. And he extracts the female gender out of him. And there's much, you know, discussion back and forth about whether it was one rib or what that actually means in the original Aramaic was that half his body, half of who he was, what his, who he was. He took that as well as a physical piece and he made from that one man or man, woe, man. And he created Adam and Eve. And he put them, and the beautiful thing of this whole thing, is he put them in his garden. Now, you've got to understand ancient times and the way ancients thought. Uh, especially in a Middle Eastern climate and uh, where we find you know, most of the Bible taking place. And what we find is uh, they would see these mountaintop gardens as the place where the gods dwelled. Mount Olympus, ancient Greeks. And we see that God himself created a garden and put Adam and Eve in that garden where God himself dwelt. God made a, made a garden, made it special. I mean, made it beautiful. It was his dwelling place, and he invited Adam and Eve in. Not just the spirit of Adam and Eve, not just the soul of Adam and Eve, but brought in their physical body into the garden. He said, I want to dwell with you physically as well as spiritually and in the soul. I want to, I want to have you close to me. I want to see the perfection of what I made. When you go through those passages of scripture in chapter 1 of Genesis, the Bible says, and God made the animals. And he said, it's good. He made the birds of the air. It is good. He made the fish in the sea. He made it good. And he said, it's good. And on the sixth day, he created man. And he said, it is good. You need to understand something today. And that is God loves your body. He made it, and it is good. You say, oh, I wish I didn't have this big old nose. God made it, and it is good. So, oh, if only I was a little taller. He made it, and it was good. In fact, how do you know when we get to heaven that five, seven and a half with sprinkly black kind of grayish hair with not an ab on the body isn't sexy in heaven? How do you know what really good looks like? Because we were created by him for him, we were made in his image, and he said, it is good. So instead of shaming yourself for the way you look and what you don't have, instead of trying to keep up with culture, you understand culture changes its opinion of beautiful every 100 years. You understand, ladies, 200 years ago, if you were skinny, you were poor and ugly. You had to be fat to be beautiful about two, 300 years ago. Oh, you understand that, right? That's why the big old hoop dresses, why they wanted to look like they were fat. Why do you think they were, what do you think they were trying to get? Fellas, you realize not even maybe a hundred years ago, that dudes wore wigs. And that was beautiful. In Asian culture, they'll take the little girls and put them in wooden shoes to shrink their feet and won't let them as little children so their feet won't grow. Because in their culture, small feet is beautiful. That's why none of those girls can play volleyball. It's unbelievable. No, I'm just kidding. I'm being silly. I'm being silly. Forgive me, all my Asian friends. But every, every culture thinks this is beautiful, that is beautiful, this is beautiful. And at the end of the day, 
It's all beautiful because we're created in his image. And you need to understand that God loves your body, not just your soul, not just your spirit, man. He loves your body. We are a three-part triune being, spirit, soul, and body. Just like our God is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Triune. The three are one. We are three parts. And that body piece, unfortunately, a lot of times in Christianity, never gets pointed out and never gets, if you will, strengthened because we think the church is to make us better spiritually. Church is supposed to just make us better, you know, in our mind, will, and in our soul area. But God is just as concerned about your body as he is about your spirit man, as he is about your soul man. And today, as we jump into this, I want to help you kind of see a prescription for a better physical you. We're going to ask God's help. We're going to extract the things in his word that he teaches us because you and I need to have a better body. We need to have a better health. We need to be better physically. And, uh, and, and we see scripture, some precedence for that. So let's start into it today. Prescription for a better physical you. Number one, first thing that we see in scripture is you got to rest your body. You got to rest your body. In the Exodus chapter 20, God sets a precedence for his people Israel. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse 9, six days you shall labor. Everybody say labor. labor. Do better than that. Say labor. labor. And do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. In other words, it has been identified as a day to rest. A Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any you shall not do any work. God created us, so he knows how, what, what he's made. And he knows the limitations. He knows the abilities that these bodies have. The body is the most amazing. Your physical body is the most amazing thing on the planet. You think about it. I mean, you understand. Had Adam and Eve not sinned in the garden, they would still be alive. So sin, what sin did was allow sickness and disease and destruction to come into the world. They, God created them in his image. They were to live forever, if you will. And that's why Satan said, oh, just eat of the tree. What will happen if you don't? He says, we'll die. Oh, you won't surely die. You won't surely die. The moment they sinned, death entered their body, and the process started. Decay started. In other words, your body was created to sustain itself forever, the way God made it forever. But sickness, disease, limitations came in the moment Adam and Eve sinned against God and rebelled in the garden. You understand, we could have lived forever. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Yeah, there you go. I mean, when you study some of these Old Testament personalities, this one dude lived for a thousand years. Like, man, at some point you're like, dude, just kill me. I don't want to be here anymore. A thousand, that's a long time. That's a lot of change over and over that many years. So we find that our bodies do not keep up with the way God intended, originally made us. And God created us to rest. That's the first thing you got to understand about your body. It was created to rest. In fact, God put it into play. You know, he understands the limitation. I, I drive a, 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 a Nissan Murano, a little early, older version, if you will. And as much as I try, that sucker won't do 150 miles an hour. It's limited. I'm so frustrated about that. Like, you know, come on. It's got it on the, it's got it on the dashboard. Why won't it do it? A couple years ago, I had the privilege to go minister in Germany. And we used our mileage points and we upgraded to a Mercedes. And then I found myself on the Autobahn in a Mercedes in a section of the Autobahn that had no speed limit. It is amazing what 150 miles an hour feels like. And the whole time I was thinking, if only I had my Murano here, and I can tell you what would happen if I had my Murano on the Autobahn. First, once I got to about 110, it would start shaking like this. Then my bumper would fly across the windshield. Then my side view mirrors would shred off. And at some point, I would be a dark spot on the concrete. That car was not made to do that. You were not made to work seven days a week. God did not make you that way. You are redlining it. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself physically. You don't understand that you think, that, oh, if I can just squeeze some more in, if I can just return a few more emails after church, if I can just, and you can't take it on. God didn't make you to do it, and you're hurting yourself by not resting. He made your body to go into rest. Because in that, your body replenishes what it needs to, it needs to replenish. Look at this. There was, a, uh, there, there was a study in 2016 at the University of Michigan, and they found that subjects who received eight hours of sleep 
rather than just six hours of sleep, were twice as likely to see their symptoms of depression disappear. So just two hours of sleep more a night, the, the guys who were sleeping eight hours uh, sleep uh, a night versus six hours, the guys with six hours were twice as commonly having problems with depression and, 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 and stress versus the guys who slept eight hours. Why? Because your body was made to rest. You need to pick a day, pick a moment, and rest. God made your body to rest. How about this piece right here? I thought this was awesome. Multiple studies have been done to show that a pre-sleep routine coupled with or occupied with a consistent sleep schedule is the most effective method for curing depression and anxiety. You say, man, I'm just so stressed out. I got so much anxiety. I'm so depressed. I just can't get past it. Ooh, let's back up and wonder if you have a good pre-sleep routine and a good consistent sleep schedule. See, some of you, we don't know, are you going to go to bed at 10 o'clock tonight, 1 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, you're all over the map. So your body's like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And you're literally not getting the routine. Your body needs that routine. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, at noon, you know, you know your body lets you know, doesn't it? You have not eaten lunch, or if you're Hispanic, 2 o'clock, like we have not eaten. It's crazy, right? Why? Because your body likes the routine. It was made to have routines. It was made to. That's why some of you, you cannot even get out the door if you haven't had your cup of coffee. You have created a routine, and your body now has to have it. And you try to skip coffee, and you're the meanest person at work the moment you have, until you get your coffee. You're like, dude, are you a Christian? No. Not until I have my latte grande, apelicio, pute with the extra stuff, a little bit of something in it. And we're like, whoa. Why? Because your body needs routine. It, it functions. By, and so some of you don't have a clear sleep schedule. You need to back up and say, let's get a sleep schedule. It's better for you, for your physical body. It's better for your children. It's better for your home life. And then not only that, but a, a, a pre-sleep routine. Like there's this routine. And some of you already have a routine. You brush your teeth. You take a shower. Uh, you turn the TV off. Turn your phone off. Read the Bible a little bit. And then you go to bed. And those people sleep better and are more relaxed and more refreshed the next day. Some of you, we never know. You're, you're at the last minute. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And you're watching all your friends who just went on vacation. You're mad at your life. And you can't figure out why you live on this planet. And why you married to this ugly guy who's snoring right here when their husband's got abs. And they just got back from Jamaica. And how dare went And you're so fr- And you try to go to sleep. And you're miserable. You need to get a better pre-sleep routine going, my friend. Turn the phone off and just get you a little something, something. Here's a second prescription for a better physical you that we can see in Scripture, and that is you need to feed your body some good stuff. Feed your body some good stuff. You become what you eat. You become what you eat. Now, I'm preaching to myself right here because I'm a good Texacajan, and uh, for us, where I'm from in Louisiana, we eat anything. We scrape it off the ground. And we deep fry it, and it's good. It don't matter. We just, whatever it is, we'll kill it and eat it. But let me give you a couple thoughts here. Americans spent $2.8 billion on candy last year at Halloween. Not only at Halloween, that's not all the other 11 months. Americans annually spend $117 billion on fast food. Fast food. $117 billion. Did you not see Supersize Me? Did you not see that thing? Come on now. How about this? Well, you know, Chick-fil-A's healthier. Okay, whatever. All right, here we go. Let's keep moving. (laughs) The CDC announced last year, I thought this was interesting, last year, that one-third of Americans eat fast food on any given day. Summarizing that, every day, a third of Americans are eating fast food. That's crazy. That no wonder we have so many dietary issues. And then how about this last one? Nearly half of Americans drink soda daily. Now, you know a northerner said that because we would have said Coke here in the South. Soda. That's not even a cool word. I mean, you should never use that word. You need a more manly word like Coke. When I'm in there, I say, I want a Coke. And they ask me, which kind? That's exactly right. That's right. I want a Sprite. It's a southern thing. You'll get it. Well, you northerners keep coming down, messing everything up, using soda or pop. That's the really one. It's like, really? Are you serious? Pop. I like a pop. I won't even service you if you say pop. Like, you northerner? I'm just kidding. I'm being silly. But it's amazing how addicted you are to your Dr. Pepper. You got to have your Dr. Pepper, 64 ounce. Like, 
Ah, your own break at work. <laughs> Got to have it. And you know, do you know how unhealthy that is? It really comes down to nutrition for us. It really does. Our bodies need good stuff in it. Bad fuel gives you bad production. Good fuel gives you good production. It's just, it's just the way our bodies were made. In fact, in the Old Testament, we see God actually prescribing to them, the, the children of Israel, a dietary plan. We find it in the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 11, as, very, as well as Deuteronomy, chapter 14. He gives them a dietary plan. You will eat like this. And he does it for two reasons. First off, he's trying to work out the wickedness out of them and teach them to, to submit to him. And the, but the big reason that he gives them a dietary plan is because he wants them healthy. He wants them strong. In fact, as he's bringing them out into the wilderness, as they follow the dietary plan, do you know what happens? Over 2 million Jews in the wilderness never get feeble, Psalms 105 says. They, they don't get feeble. They don't get sick. They don't get diseased. you got 2 million people living. Uh, think about that. Intense, moving out in the wilderness, digging holes, going to bathrooms and porta potties. I mean, it's not a very sanitary environment, but they don't get sick and they don't get feeble because of the dietary plan. The reason why is because God put them on a good, clean, healthy eating plan because he needed them strong. He needed them to be able to reproduce, to become the nation that he, he intended them to be. Now, what we find then in the New Testament is that dietary plan changes drastically. It's actually kind of done away with. And we find this in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, for every creature of God is good. And nothing is to be refused if it, if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And so Paul says, listen, God has shifted that. You can eat those things. Just pray over it. Make sure you do your best with it. And so what's happened as a result of the last 2,000 years, we just kind of use that as an excuse not to be healthy and not to make good, healthy choices in what we put inside of us. But at the end of the day, God understands our body. And he's made you beautiful. He loves your body. And you and I can do a little bit better by putting some good stuff in. Now, listen, let me just say this. There's a, there's a great, great Christian uh, doctor named Dr. Don Colbert, C-O-L-B-E-R-T. Look him up. And I believe he's got one of the most balanced teachings on this. Dead get all into it. you got to keep the feasts and the festivals. you got to eat like this. you got to do like this. But just good, practical things to help you and I start making a little change. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so listen, if you and I will just make a couple of little changes here and there, because I'm believing that this church is going to be the healthiest church in the United States of America. But what we put in is what we're going to get out. And so we got to do a little bit better. And so I would actually challenge you to do a little bit of meal prepping. What works for you? Just, you know, don't get into all these crazy things and diets and all the stuff you see on, on, on YouTube, you know, pieces and advertisements. Just do what works for you. Go do some little bit of research and find out what works for you. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to eat a steak. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm a good Cajun boy. I'm going to eat something that was live and now is dead. I'm just, I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to do the vegetarian thing. I know that would be a lot better. It's not going to happen. But what I can do is make some better choices and I can meal plan a little bit better. Because what most of us do, what I do, is I need to stop consuming and just start planning. So if you planned a little bit at the first of the week, just kind of what the meals could look like, then you won't just be grabbing a Snickers bar out of the vending machine because you hadn't had lunch. That's what I end up doing. Or flying through the, flying through the fast food place because you hadn't eaten all day, which is really bad for our bodies. And so you and I, God loves your body. We see him give them a dietary plan in scripture. We see him doing away with that dietary plan for, because they had made it as if you don't eat like this, then you're not godly. And God said, no, 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 no. You're my sons and daughters. No matter how well you eat or don't eat, you're my sons and daughters if you would just accept me as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he does away with the connectivity to obedience to being, to being my sons and daughters if you don't follow the dietary plan. And he shifts it over here to, that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that's what the new covenant's all about. But yet, you got to understand that he had a dietary plan because he knows what's best for his people. And he wanted them to be strong and healthy. We actually find that Daniel, in the book of Daniel, as a young man, after his nation had been captured, and the king was looking for the top, uh, top young men uh, in, the, in, in the kingdom to bring forward so they could be governors over their people. And he picked, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he picked, he picked Daniel. And Daniel and them, in their time of testing, they were going to test them to see, uh, uh, see if they could study and learn the language, how well they would be physically, how strong they could be. And in that moment of testing, Daniel said, King, uh, uh, to the guy who was over him, would you tell the king, we don't want to eat his food from his table for the next, you know, 12 days or so. If it'd be okay, we just want to eat fruits and vegetables. And the guy was like, you're going to get me killed. You can't, every day there's a banquet for all of these young 
men in training, and you can't not show up. He goes, listen, would you just, I promise you, if you let me do this, I promise you, uh, we'll be better for it. And as a result, they did fruits and vegetables during that 12-day period. And the Bible says that when the king interviewed them, he found them smarter than everybody else, physically stronger than everybody else. They were better looking than everybody else. At the end of the day, it had all, everything to do with what they were taking in and so much less about what they were learning. Are you with me? Say yes. And so there's a real precedence in Scripture that you and I can do a little bit better in what we put inside of us. Are you there? Say yes. All right, let's, let's move on. Here's the third area that, I, that we see a biblical precedence, and that is you got to get your body moving. you got to get your body moving. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, for bodily exercise profits a little. It's not saying it's not good. It says it profits a little. But in the midst of this, he says, but godliness is profitable for all things. Because Paul is doing a teaching about how we need to be godly. And he's, and he's confronting the fact that, you know what? Stop spending so much time on physical training and also spend time on godly training. Training yourself to be more like God. He doesn't throw away exercise. He doesn't throw away uh, being healthy and, and, and moving. But just the opposite. He tips the hat to him and says, it's good, but even better is to become more like Jesus. So at the end of the day, you and I need to keep moving. I, I, did, I found this amazing, about nine months ago, I found this amazing TED Talk. I love TED Talks. And the reason why is because they're experts in their field talking for 20 minutes, which you and I learned last week that we only have a 20-minute attention span anyway. So they're talking for 20 minutes on something they're experts and professionals at. And I found this TED Talk uh, about nine months ago called The Mathematics of Weight Loss by Ruben Meerman. And Ruben Meerman is a physicist. He's on the level of Einstein and, uh, and what's the guy uh, in the wheelchair um, who just passed, I think it was? Um, Hawk, Hawk, yeah, that's right, Hawkins. And so he's on that level. He's brilliant. And so he started asking the question, uh, where does all the fat go when we lose it? When we lose it, where does the weight go? Do we burn it off? And, and so as a physicist, he got a bunch of biochemists, the top in their field together, and they began to actually research the chemical compound of fat, how the body processes it, how it rids itself of it. And after all of this research and after all the chemical breakdown of it, they came to the conclusion that we actually breathe out fat exhaled to the place of about 84%. 16% of fat is actually excreted from our bodies through H2O, through sweat, through tears. And so, so then people start asking, so can I just and get skinny? No, 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 no. No, your body has a process that it breaks down that fat, but then it comes out through, through, through your breath, through, through exhale. And then, you know, at the same time, it also, about 16%, is extracted through the process of breaking it down through, uh, through sweating or through crying, because they were asking, could I just cry all day long and get skinny? And they're like, no, 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 there's this process that it goes through. And, and here's what they came to the conclusion of. You ready for this? They came to the conclusion that if you're going to lose weight, you're going to tear down these fat cells that are in your body, the way to do it was to get that breath, that exhaust, the way the body gets to breathe it out and the way the body sweats it out, you have to do two things. Eat less and move more. That's your great, that's Einstein's understanding now of the body. The same thing everybody in the gym keeps telling me that I won't listen to. And it comes down to simply that. You and I need to eat less and move more. Can you imagine... If, I don't know if you've been to Europe, but everybody in Europe is skinny. And the reason why they're all skinny is because they walk everywhere. Have you ever noticed that? Jamie and I, actually, we were in Israel this time last year, and we ate, we must ate five meals a day. I'm like, Jamie, we are going to be huge, but it's so good. Just bring it on. Yeah, I'll take those two. Yes, I'll take some more shawarma. Yes, yes, keep it, keep it coming. And they just kept bringing it, and I just kept eating it. And at the end of the week and a half that we were there, I lost four pounds. Jamie lost a few, few pounds as well. And we're like, whoa, what just happened? Because we're eating like, like, like pigs, man, because it's so good. We were walking everywhere. After every meal, we had to go over to this place and walk over to this place and go view this and go do this and go do this. We were walking everywhere. The Europeans figured it out. Between, between walking everywhere and nicotine, they're the skinniest people around, I'll tell you. <laughs> they, they, they smoked some cigarettes. <laughs> walking. But if you and I, listen, if you would just eat your dinner and then afterwards go for a little walk, whatever works for your body. You say, well, I'm a little older or, you know, I'm, I'm a little further along in this situation. I can't go get on a treadmill and I, I, and I don't want to feel like a rat on a little treadmill, you know, with all the other people. I don't do that. I mean, for my wife, she hates to go to the gym. So she'd rather just get out in the yard and plant flowers. Just moving. Just get it moving. Just get it moving. For exercise, profits a little bit. And really, this is, he made your body beautiful. He loves your body. And you and I 
are the, our bodies are the temple, and we need to take care of it. We need to do the best we can with it. Because I'll tell you why. The Lord has need of you. Your grandkids and your great-grandkids need to see a godly example. You don't need to die off at 55. You don't need to, you don't need to have a massive heart attack you know, in, in your late 50s, early 60s. You need to live on a little bit longer and pass on what God's doing in your life to your children and your grandchildren. So we've got to take care of the temple. Here's the last piece there, uh, the, the fourth piece that I would teach you. Are you still with me? Say yes. You still love me? Is it okay? Can I move on? And the fourth piece that I would teach you that there's a presence in Scripture, how God can help you, is that is you've got to believe for supernatural healing. I am so sorry that people have taught you against God's desire to heal you. That is the most ludicrous thing I have ever heard of. In fact, the reason why you and I should care about the miraculous and about the healing of our body is because it is the redemption of what was stolen in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, it was stolen from us. Divine health was stolen from us. Sickness and disease entered the world. So children are born with cancer. They didn't do anything wrong. Mom and dad didn't do anything wrong. Sin, breakdown, destruction entered into humanity, into our gene pool, into, into our DNA because of sin in the garden. Before that, it was, perfect. it was perfection. It was perfect. And you and I need to believe for supernatural healing in our bodies. I know some have taught you bad doctrine on it. That God only heal you if you're good, if you pray more, if you go to church more than everybody else. That is so not his nature. In fact, let's point out Luke chapter 18 today. And let's read in verse 35 of Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 35. Turn there quickly and I'll read it. It says, and Jesus approached Jericho and a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. What kind of man? What was wrong with him? What was wrong with his eyes? They couldn't see. Thank you. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led, uh, who, uh, led the way rebuked him. Shut up. Be quiet. Stop it. But he shouted all the way, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, this is my Jesus. Look what my Jesus is asking. Look what he asked him. What do you want me to do for you? The dude's blind. <laughs> what do you want? You, you need $5, bro? What do you need from me, man? <laughs> Come on. That's my Jesus. That's what I do right there. <laughs> what do you need, bro? Uh. He says, what do you want me to do? And the reason why is because he wanted him to confess what he needed. He wanted him to own the fact for two facts, that he was blind and that Jesus could fix it. Here's the problem. Most of us just suffer through. Well, I can't, oh, it's okay. I'm taking medication. Y'all don't need to pray for me. Oh, it's okay. I know some other people have it worse. Oh, it's okay. I, it's all right. I'm not, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to believe for a healing. It's okay. I, I've got my medication, and, and it's okay. I just, you know, it, and some of you feel like it makes you more holy to suffer a little bit. Some of you feel like, well, it's my lot in life. You know, even, even Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and I just, you know, it's just, you know, woe is me. And Jesus said, I want you to own it. What do you want? I want to be healed. And the second thing he needed to own is the fact Jesus can do it. The great physician comes to the planet, and most of the ministry we see him doing is healing people. He got involved in our physical problems. He cares about our body. And it's time for you to stop shaming yourself, stop being mad that you're not this or that or the other, stop saying, you know what, I, you know, I'm never, listen, some of you just need to own the fact you ain't ever, 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 ever going to be a size one. Just own it. God didn't make your body that way. Get over it. Own it, girlfriend. Just, just strut what you got. Make it holy. It's the temple. Make it beautiful. Make what you got beautiful. And when we get to heaven, you're going to be looking around. I told you skinny people weren't pretty. Look at heaven. Look at heaven. I told you. Some of you skinny, you can't do nothing about it. You lose weight. Just You lose weight every time you breathe. And nothing you can do about it. You're like, I can't. I'm so skinny. I just, I just can't. Oh, I mean, own it. It's your body. God gave it to you. He entrusted you with that temple. Make it the best you can make it. But some of us, you know, he said, well, I haven't always done right by my temple. It's okay. Start here. Start now. Start, just, just say yes now to God. Lord God, I don't have it all figured out. And, and, and some of you got, you, you, got, you got generational curses of diabetes and things like that passed down through your family, through your DNA. Listen, God can heal that. He can fix that. But you and I got to cry out, Jesus! See, 
Jesus, come. Don't let him get past me. Don't let this get past me. I want to believe that the great physician wants to do something for me as well. And I'm so sorry that people misappropriated that. And so it comes down to a couple of things. A lot of times you say, well, I know God can, but I just don't know if he will. That's not his nature. He can and he will. We find him rebuking a guy who says, if you can, heal me. He said, if, if I can. You want me to knock you out? Who the heck do you think? If I can. If you will. Yes, I'm willing. I'm the great physician. He care, you've got to get this revelation. He cares about your body. He's in love with your body. You were made beautiful. Your skin tone was exactly what he wanted it to be. Your height, exactly what he wanted it to be. You, you, the, the way you think, the way you move, exactly. Your limitations, beautiful. Some of the most amazing people in the world have limitations in their body. And God smiles over them. They're beautiful. They're beautiful to him. He, you're beautiful to him. And you and I need to take care of this body. We need to take care of this temple. And you need to believe for healing. Some of you struggle to believe in healing because someone told you that the only way God heals you is if, you, if you're better than everybody else. Or if you do more than this, you do more than that. And can I tell you, the bottom line, healing comes down to one major factor that I can find in Scripture. Faith. It comes down to faith. And faith is this horrible thing that I am grappling with on a day-by-day basis. Some days I have great faith and some days I'm like, I don't even know if God's here anymore. We do that as humans. Because we're attacked mentally by the demonic forces. Because we pray for something that doesn't happen in time frame or the way we thought it should. But can I just tell you something? The way to build your faith is to get a word. Get a word from his holy scriptures. I saw a friend of mine this week. I was at Christ for the Nations teaching my class. A man by the name of Mike Massey. He's an amazing man of God. He used to pastor right there across the street on 408 from Bishop Jake's. That was his church years ago. Mike Massey, great man of God. A couple years ago, he was diagnosed with some radical form of cancer. I mean, he got sick fast. He, he got all skinny, and, and, uh, and he's, he's, God's healed him. He's had a miracle. And, uh, and so I saw him this week, and I said, Mike, I want to ask you a question. In the process of getting healed from cancer, I, I know you went through all the doctor's recommendations and did everything you needed to do, but in that process, was there ever a moment of doubt that you thought, you know, I, I may not make it? He goes, no. I said, really? Tell me about that. He said, Adam, early on when I was diagnosed, he said, I was full of fear. I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die early. I'm not supposed to be dying like this. He said, and I went and got the Bible, and I started reading through, and I found a scripture that was my word, that you will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. He said, I found some scriptures, and I held on to them. And when the doctor said, listen, I don't know if there's anything else we can do. We're going to try this other treatment. It doesn't matter. I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. He said, I held on to that word, and I confessed that word, and I stayed in faith the best I knew how. He said, I had in my heart of hearts, I knew that I knew that I knew that I wasn't going to die. He said, I knew it. I, God, God was going to heal me. He was going to do what, what medicine couldn't do completely. But with the help of medicine and with my faith, it was going to happen. And friend, I'm telling you, he's sitting there and he's telling me about it. He's in beautiful health. I'm weeping. I'm looking at him like, dude, you are a man of God. Friend, can I tell you, at the end of the day, God wants to heal you. At the end of the day, the great physician cares about your body. You and I need to grow in our faith. We need to mature a little bit. We need to study the word so the word becomes life inside of us. So all the doubt and unbelief and all the lies. And what about the guy who we pray for that didn't get healed? And get all the what ifs out the way. And just say, Lord, I don't understand why some people get healed and some people don't. But your word says that if I ask, I shall receive. So I'm going to ask. And either you're going to heal me in this life or heal me in the life to come. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to believe for supernatural healing. Friend, this is the beautiful walk of Christianity. This is the great rub of sometimes I don't understand and sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm on fire and so excited and then other times I get knocked down and I don't really believe and I'm struggling. This is what faith walk looks like. This is what it, what it has to look like. We have to keep standing in faith. We got to keep loving God and keep believing that he's good and that he cares about us. And you need to know today he cares about your physical body. He cares that you suffer with headaches. He cares that, you, that you've, you've tried every you know, diet program and it hadn't worked. He cares that you, that you feel bad about yourself whenever you look in the mirror. He cares about that. He loves you. And first thing is first, and that is you've got to get past the fact that you don't look like somebody else and just be you. Yep. And the next thing you need to do is start walking in the calling of God on your life to make your temple the best it can be. In Jesus' name. I've got a couple questions that I want you to take home with you this week. Here's some take-home questions. 
Write them down, take pictures of them on the screen, whatever you have to do. But here's your take-home questions. Number one, what excuses am I using not to change? What excuses am I using not to change? I'll tell you right now, I just can't, I can't eat a little bit better. My wife makes those tamales every night at midnight. If I don't eat them, she's, I'm going to lose my marriage. I mean, I got to eat them. What excuses am I using not to change? Well, I just can't go in a, I just can't go in a health club. I just hate it. I just hate it. What excuses am I using not to change? Think on these questions this week. Make some decisions on them. What half-truth have I accepted about myself? What half-truth? Well, I'm just always going to be like this. I'm never going to be able to hear out of that one ear. I'm never going to be able to walk right. What half-truths have I accepted? God's mad at me. God's punishing me because what I did 20 years ago, this is, this is sowing and reaping. He's punishing me because, you know, I, I was a pervert back in the day, and I did this. And so I have to just, this is his punishment for the rest of my life. What half-truths? You know, that's how the enemy works, right? Satan has to take a truth and mix a little bit of a lie in it to get us to believe it. And that's how we end up believing things that are not true. They're half-truths. There's a little bit of truth in it, but a whole lot of lie in it as well. Here's the next question I want you to ask yourself this week and work through. Who can I empower to help me? Who can I empower to help me? Who can I empower to help me move a little bit more, get to eating a little bit better, get to resting a little bit more and having a Sabbath time, believing for my divine healing? Who can I ask to pray with me every day and believe with me that this, uh, that this back is going to get healed? Who can, I st- who, who can I get to help me? Who can I empower to help me, to correct me, smack me upside the head? You know why I don't have abs? Because I don't want to let any friends help me. Right. It'd be so easy. Pastor Sean, he was helping me for a little bit, and I just kind of bowed out. Because he called me at 6 in the morning. We working out? Uh, no. (laughs) I have to pray more today. I don't want to do it. (laughs) He's like, come on, come on, Pastor. Mm, No, Jesus doesn't want me to today. Jesus does not, he does not want it. He doesn't want me to do it. He likes me like I am. He likes me. Here's the fourth question I want you to ask yourself this week and work through. Am I willing to embrace the pain of changing? And my answer to that is no. That's why I don't have abs. No, seriously. Am I willing to embrace the pain of change? You've got to own it. I, I, I'm try, I, my wife tried to help me. She started buying this chocolate. There was not real chocolate. I don't know what it was, but she's like, this is healthier for you. And I took one bite. I'm like, no, this is painful. I can't even swallow this. This is not right. This is demonic. No one should ever call this chocolate. This is not chocolate. This is some satanic offshoot of a beautiful thing that God made called chocolate. And she's trying to help me. But I wouldn't embrace the pain of changing. Am I willing to embrace the pain of changing? Come on, stand with me all across the room. I hope this has brought you to a place of God's plan for your life. I need you to understand this. When you talk about the topic that we're talking about today, we all have regrets. We all feel shamed. But friend, can I tell you something? If we had the ability to do it ourselves, we would have. We need God's help. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, help me make, get some good, good food choices going. Lord, help me. Uh, some of you have, have done, spent all your money trying to get the right nutrition going. And, and you, just, you need God's miracle power to help you. Some of you tried. You do so much. And, and I'm so proud of you. And you say, I'm just still not healthy, Pastor. You need a miracle. Each and every one of us need God to help us when it comes to our body our soul, and our spirit. Don't walk out of this place under guilt and condemnation. Don't say, oh, if only. Listen, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Wake up tomorrow and say, God, would you help me? I want to I be, be a better me in this temple called the body. God, will you help me with my soul? I mean, my brain's all over the place, God. I need your help. Would you, Lord, help me with my spirit, man? I, I'm just not spirit-led. I'm just so carnal these days. God will help us. God will take that place and strengthen us and make us the better us that we should be, that God wants us to be. And friend, at the end of the day, if you take five steps forward and four steps back, you still took one step forward. And so don't shame yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. But at the same time, let's get past the excuses and let's start making this temple something, something beautiful.
know this, that you were made perfect in his image. You're different. Your body makeup is different. And you're not going to, and, and again, don't, don't put some identification on what beautiful is. Because you're beautiful just the way you were made. You're perfect just who you are. Now let's make that temple. Let's help that temple be the best it can be. I want you to close your eyes with me for just a moment. Let's go before the Lord. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, we kind of brought out four areas that I could see in Scripture that God, that God wants to help us when it comes to our body, to our physical health. Rest. Some of you hadn't been resting. You've been working six and a half days. You think coming to church is all the part of rest that you got to do on Sunday. And, that, and that's good. It's a, it's, it's a good part of it. But then you're going home and you're killing yourself and your body's not able to replenish. Some of you just, you know, your appetite has gotten to a certain flavor that you like. And it's not always the healthy and good stuff. I, I'm like that. Ask God to help you. Say, Lord, just help me. Help me. Help my appetite change. Help, help what I think is awesome to, to change a little bit. Help me with that. Some of you just matter just moving a little bit. You just got to get your body moving a little bit. Whatever that is for you. And then others of us, we need a divine healing. Tonight, today after service, some of the leaders will be up front. They'll be prepared to lay hands on anybody who needs a healing. Anyone who wants to pray through some of these areas. But here and now. We need Jesus. So would you call upon the Lord to help you? Father, we come before you as a church, as a body of believers, as a congregation. And Lord, we're asking you, Lord God, for your help. We're asking you to strengthen us, to help us, to transform us, to make us into your image in this area. Lord, we've gotten to a place, Lord Jesus, where we can't do it in ourselves in our own strength. And so, Lord, we're asking, help us when it comes to our physical body. Help us, Lord God, when it comes to our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. Lord, we need your help. Holy Spirit, come. We need you in our spirit man guiding us and leading us. Lord, I pray that this series has started something for all of us. That 2019 can be different. That, Lord God, we, may, we don't plan on being perfect because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But we sure, do, we sure don't want to just lay down on the side of the road and say, well, it just is what it is. Lord, we want to keep moving forward. We want to grow in you. We want to become a better us. We want to be what you intended us to be from the very beginning when you created us. And, and Lord God, I thank you right now that you're going to strengthen us and help us. Lord God, you're going to give us breakthrough. And with every head bowed and every head closed, I'm going to give a call to anyone that might say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I'm not a Christian. In fact, I'm pretty sure if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. I'm kind of ashamed of it. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but life happened. I'm kind of separated from God right now. I'm maybe even divorced. I don't know. But I know that uh, I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed of it. Friend, i got such good news for you. Jesus loves you. I know you've heard that, and that sounds trite sometimes, but it's a truth. It's the greatest truth. In fact, he loves you so much that he died on a cross 2,000 years ago to pay for every sin you'll ever commit. Do you understand that? Every sin that you'll ever commit has already been paid for. In fact, I tell people like this. It's like Jesus, before you were ever born, knew that you would sin. And on that cross 2,000 years ago, he created an account with your name on it and paid for every bit of forgiveness that you would need to have. He said, ooh, that's awesome. How do I access that account? Well, the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then Jesus goes on to teach us to just obey his teachings so that we're not drugged back in our old sinful ways. This is the beauty of becoming sons and daughters of the most high God, that he loves us and that he's made a way for us back to the Father. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, if you've never been a Christian and you want to become one today, I'd like to pray with you. It's a matter of confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. That's what this is all about. And I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of coming back to God, a prayer of giving your life to Him. You don't have to perform for Him. You don't have to give Him money to the church and light candles and all that kind of stuff. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of a relationship being developed. Today, I want to connect you with the living God. I say it like this all the time. If I was at a party and my best friend Jesus was sitting over at a table and you, my new friend, was standing there and I wanted to introduce you, I'd grab you by the hand and bring you over to Jesus. Say, Jesus, this is my new friend Tom. And you and Jesus, I'll get you starting in a conversation. And you become friends with him and become, he become your best friend. That's what today is about. That's what this prayer is about to be about. About connecting you back to Jesus. Connecting you for a relationship with him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I want to be right with God. I want to, I want, I want to make a, a profession of my faith. I want to ask Jesus into my life. No one's looking. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. This is a private decision. A deep private decision. But it's also being done in public. I understand that. That's why I got every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, you say, Pastor, it's me. I'm ready. 
I want you to admit that to yourself. Admit that to heaven. Admit that to me as the pastor. I quickly lift in your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I'm ready to change. I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be a Christian. I want to change. Quickly throw your hand up if that's you. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? Be, be honest with yourself. Amen. I see. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for your honesty. Number of hands going up. You, thank you, sweet love. Two, three more seconds. Pastor, I'm not right with God. I want to get right. I want, I want you to include me in that prayer, Pastor. I'm ready to ask Jesus into my life. Thank you, sweet love. You can put your hand back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Two more seconds or so. Amen. You can put your hands down. Yeah, I saw it. Thank you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray it out loud with you, alongside of you. But I want you who lifted your hand to mean it with all of your heart. There's nothing magical about the words, but supernatural is that you asked Jesus into your life today, that you raised your hand admitting that you needed God. I'm so proud of you. All of heaven's going crazy right now because your heart has turned back towards God. Now let's seal it through a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of coming to God. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. One more time. Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize I've sinned against you. And I ask you now to forgive me. I accept what you did for me on that cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus, I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm yours forever. And I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer from the depths of their heart, from the, from the inner parts of their soul. I pray right now that they would feel the peace and the joy that comes from being saved. I pray that they would know that they know that they know that they're saved. Father, I thank you right now, Lord God, that they would enjoy, enjoy the rightness of being with you. Lord, I pray that, Lord God, that they would, when the thought comes, oh, you didn't mean it, you're, you're really not sincere about that, Lord, that they'd be able to rebuke that and say, no, 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 I meant it. I, I believe in God. I've, I've got it all under faith. And Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against them will prosper. All those that rise up against them shall fall. And we call this as done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.